Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Virtual Roosters Restaurant, Letterman Live. I am Austin Ward, joined uh, by my regular co-host, Anthony Schlegel down there, wherever he is, The Difference USA, uh, and Jeremy Birmingham. And for the first time in the history of this website, this show, we have a United States representative, Congressman Anthony Gonzalez. He's also an Ohio State Letterman, so we're double dipping. Uh, Congressman, welcome to Letterman Live, brought to you by Roosters. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Good to be with y'all. I think that it's been, you know, we're not going to dwell too much on this because I think we've beaten uh, coronavirus to death with the impact on Ohio State football. But for you, you were in such a unique position to provide insight. Just what have been the last, you know, three weeks been like in, in D.C., in Cleveland, wherever you've been going back and forth trying to wrap your mind around what's going on here? Yeah, great question. So I, I think of it sort of in two buckets. One, um, it's absolutely difficult and brutal on so many families. Uh, I mean, we've set record unemployment numbers, not a record you ever want to set. Um, we've seen a lot of businesses uh, shut down and not know uh, how they're going to make ends meet, whether they'll even be able to reopen. Um, I was talking to one of my good friends who um, has her grandkids over for Easter every, every, every year, and she's not going to be able to do that this year. Um, and so the, the impact on the community uh, has been profound economically, but also socially, spiritually. And we're not meant to be cooped up indoors all day, but that's, that's what the public health response sort of requires. Um, and so that's on one side. On, on the other side, I think uh, the community and really the country has bought into this notion that, okay, we need to do this. We need to do this for a period of time. Um, and then hopefully we can, we can build our way out. And that's what I'm spending most of my time on right now is uh, I think we as a Congress, but as a country, we need to start having that conversation about, okay, so we're doing this and this is the appropriate thing. And I, I agree with, with all that, that we've done to shelter in place and to flatten the curve. That's our only option right now because we don't have cures. We don't have treatments um, that are overly effective right now. And so that, that is what is required. Um, but we need to be laser focused on what we need to have in place so that in the spring, in the summer, in the fall, um, we don't have to shut down the economy again. We don't have to shelter in place because we have other things in place. You have other options, essentially. Right now, it's like there's one treatment and it's shelter in place. I want to make sure that by the time we, we get to sort of this next phase and we slowly build back, um, that we have other options. Uh, and that's going to largely rely on uh, the speed with which we can develop cures and technology and testing and, and tracing and all those sorts of things. It seems like, I mean, you obviously wouldn't have ran for office in the first place if you didn't want to be part of solutions for this country overall. But this situation now that you find yourself in and the, the importance for day to day of getting this country back on track, I mean, surely you couldn't have imagined that this would be the type of situation you would be dealing with. No, uh, but you know, I, I did take this job uh, because I like difficult problems. I love, I, I love this country. I'm so proud to be from Northeast Ohio. Um, and I always felt like Northeast Ohio gave me so much. Um, I always just felt so blessed and, and still do. Uh, my father immigrated to this country. We didn't know anybody. My mother grew up in Cincinnati um, and the, the community really embraced us. And, um, and, and we've had a wonderful life. Uh, and I always wanted to give back in some form or fashion. Uh, and, and from a sort of just the, the sorts of opportunities that I'm attracted to, they're the ones that are the most difficult. I just like hard problems. I don't, I don't like, I get bored very quickly. Um, and so, uh, so, um, so when, you know, when things are at their most difficult and their most challenging, that's typically where I'm, um, I feel like I, I, I do my best work and I certainly enjoy that work the most. 
Um, and so it's in that sense, it's been great. Um, obviously I really more than anything in the world wish this wasn't happening. This has been an, an enormous, uh, disruption to our community and to our lives. And, and it's hurting a lot of people. It's hurting a lot of people economically, but also physically. Um, and so, uh, we, we need to get through this as fast as possible. Um, but we also have to be smart and make sure that we're not going too fast. Um, so that we, we undo all the great work that's already been done. Gonzo, I got a question for you. So I'm very similar. You, I mean, you and I have had great conversations about this, but where do you think that, you know, innate nature to embrace friction, to be a problem solver, where do you, where did it come, come from for you? I don't know. You know, part of it's my upbringing. If, if you know my father at all, that's kind of his, his attitude as well. Um, you know, he, he always says the same thing. I just get bored easily. Um, and so, uh, there's there's something about that. Um, I will say, you know, and I think you'll relate to this, Schlakes. You know, when you've had um, the opportunity uh, and and the blessing to to be able to play at an Ohio State and to, to go on to the NFL and and kind of be in those high pressure uh, situations, there is something uh, very addictive about that um, at, in in ways. Um, and so uh, I think that's part of it for me as well. And it, it doesn't. It's not to say. I, I need to be doing something public. I actually was having very similar feelings in the business world. Um, it's, it's just about feeling that pressure and, and feeling like, um, you know, you have things kind of closing in on you that for some reason uh, is actually a, a place where I feel very comfortable. Yeah, but that's why you're also – oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I was just going to say that's also why, you know, he is who he is, right? It's also why he's a congressman. He's an elite leader of character. Like there's – to me – very few people that can do what Anthony's doing, but he also got an MBA. People don't know that he got an MBA from Stanford, right? The guy has so many different opportunities, but still wanted to come back and serve the public and bring this skill set. It's not like we're out there looking for problems or something like the coronavirus to have to step in, but Gonzo's the type of guy, I haven't played with him, that you want on the front lines to – inspire and motivate other people in Congress that aren't as comfortable in these type of situations as Anthony is. And also for the people that he serves in his community to, to be that motivator, that light, that leader that he is. That's why it's, it's paramount that he's a representative. That's what you want. Yeah. I was, I was wondering just, you know, when his former teammates or, or I don't, that's not to, you're always teammates, I guess. I don't mean to undermine it that way, but the, when, Buckeyes who were around Anthony Gonzalez might have realized that he could be a politician. Like, did you think that when you first met him that that he could be doing this for the country? Yeah, you. Me? Yeah, Burn didn't you know, play with him. Yeah. No. <laughs> here's the thing. Here, here's the thing with Gonzo and, and your teammates. Right? You don't know where we're gonna be when we're 36, 39, 40 years. You have no clue, but you you have the insight into the young men that we were. And that is dedicated worker, servant, super smart, extremely savvy, right? And then you see in the progression and getting out of the league and wanting to fill his toolbox. And not just to fill it, you know, wherever he could have done it. He decided to go to one of the hardest universities in America and do it and compete against those people. And then take that and go into the business world because God has a plan for us, but you got to attack every avenue. And then it ultimately led him back to Cleveland, Ohio, and serving the United States. So you watch the progression, and it's, it's like 
yeah, I could definitely have seen him doing that, but we don't see there, sit there in college and say, oh, that, that guy's going to be a politician. All I saw is that's a great teammate who has a servant's heart. He's going to do great things. Gonzo, I assume you hate the term politician as much as Brian yeah. Hartline hates <laughs> being told he's a I'm good sorry. recruiter. Yeah, uh, it's, uh, you know, it's funny. One of my, fa- my favorite uh, constituents, one of my good friends, a guy named Bill Overton, Vietnam vet, um, awesome guy. And he always says, um, if you ever become a politician, I'm going to kick your, you know. So, <laughs> and, uh, and my wife kind of says the same thing. She's like, are you really a politician? It's still hard for me to get my head around this. Like, hey, you know, it, it is what it is. I, I'm, a, I'm a member of Congress. Um, I don't think of myself as, as being a super political person. I think of myself as being a, obviously, I'm a, I'm a conservative Republican who brings a particular lens to the problems that I'm trying to solve. Um, but I, I really think of myself as somebody who just wants to work on things that are going to make our country and our state better. And Wouldn't it be easiest if the president just got on stage and said, if you guys want football season, stay home? Would that not would that not pump people to, to move, to, to take action more than a lot of the other stuff we hear? Like, I mean, we hear so much noise from both sides and all over the country. At some point, isn't it just – we're going to miss football season if you guys don't stay home. <laughs> At some point, yeah. You know, honestly, I, I do have this concern um, whether we stay home or not because uh, the, the reality of this disease is when I talk to the doctors, when I talk to the, the coronavirus task force, the White House coronavirus task force, um, when I talk to people who are studying it who are far smarter than me on the issue, what they will say is, look, this is going to come back in the fall. Um, it, there's – it's, it's, just, it's just like the flu in this sense, in the sense that it dies down in the summer, most likely. You get a little bit of a reprieve, but it does come back. And the antibodies that we build up, the people who have been infected have overcome it and come back also probably go away. Um, and so in that world, that's why I think we need to shift our focus. And we, frankly, I think we need to be having hearings and doing our normal, normal job uh, because we have to make sure that we have a toolkit in place come – August, September, October, so that we can play football, but more importantly, so that kids can go to school, so that, you know, parents aren't having to stay home and figure out how to, how to put food on the table and homeschool their kids. Um, we need to get that in place, and we need to get it in place quickly, um, because if not, uh, then I fear for, for what happens in the fall. Uh, from a public health standpoint, an economic standpoint, um, and gosh, honestly, following what's happening um, and free agency with the Browns and the Buckeyes on recruiting has, has been kind of the one thing that's uh, I've sort of binge watched, if you will, <laughs> I can shut my mind off on that and Tiger King. Um, but uh, <laughs> but uh, if we if we don't have those things, um, I think it's going to be a, a very challenging fall. And so that's, that's what I'm working on right now. The big question is, do you think Carol Baskin killed her husband or not? No question. Yes. Burm, stop asking people. I, think, like, I, just, I just think I think as a society, if we're talking about picking a side of the aisle, that's the one topic. <laughs> that's there's that's, only one aisle. Everyone believes that Carol Baskin's murdered her husband. Apparently so we're gonna, Howard. Howard. He doesn't, doesn't even need believe to it. answer that. For since we only have a limited amount of time and the congressman might have to dip out to go actually take care of the country, I want to invite Letterman, Anthony Gonzalez, Gonzo to actually talk about some football and give him a break, a little reprieve. So sure. Gonzo, if you World, a current wide receiver, NFL, at Ohio State, and you had this shutdown, how would you train? What, what would you be doing to try and be ready for that opportunity when eventually you got to play again? 
Yeah, you know, I actually was thinking about this today. It's, it's so hard of, of a question to answer. I mean, you'd find a way though, right? Like I, I feel like any challenge that comes your way as a, as a person, right? Whether it's football or business or politics or whatever it is, um, you have to find a way to overcome it. You have to find a way to navigate through it. Uh, and, and as human beings, we're awfully resilient and, and have a, a ways to do that. Um, Schlegel, I'd be curious for, for your thoughts on this, but my, my initial instinct, if I were on, on a team like Ohio State or, or if I were in the NFL, there are certain guys who you just know are going to find a way to take care of this. And they're going to they're gonna find a way to train. They're going to find a way to work out. It might be doing push-ups in their garage or something. It's going to be something weird, right? It's not, they're not going to a gym and, and getting the normal training, but they're going to find a hill to run on. They're going to find a way to get strong and to get themselves ready. And then there are other guys who are, who are probably going to not do that um, and are, are going to you know, sit at home and, and just play around on their phones, um, and, and they'll be less ready. Uh, but – those two groups that I just sort of mapped out, if we were back to normal, that's how it works anyway inside the locker room. There's just certain people who always take care of the business and then there's certain people who don't. Um, and the ones who take care of their business tend to rise to the top. They tend to advance. They tend to move forward. Um, and so I, I suspect that um, that'll be playing out across locker rooms all over the country right now. Yeah, I completely agree. And that's one, I mean, the easiest thing to do, and you did it when you are in the league, right? So these guys are getting a – you know, advanced training on how to be a pro because when you're in a pro, like you play your season and then you're training, right? So you go back to OTAs, like that's just how it works. So you all want to be a pro? Well, now you can be a pro. But, you know, coach to, to coach Mick's credit and those guys, like they already have a standard operating procedure of what you guys are going to train. They have kits out to the guys. Yeah. So everybody is doing something. And then as an athlete, the easiest thing to do in our sport, sport is to train the anaerobic state, right, which is explosive sprints, running hills, plyometrics, route running, right? You can still work on your craft because Brian Hartline's there saying, hey, here's your route tree progression I want you to run. Do it full speed. Still work on these things, right? And they have that evaluation process that they had after the season of the things you need to work on to enhance for spring ball. Well, now you don't have spring ball. But this also, I feel, is a great opportunity for the coaches to – go back after winter conditioning and evaluate the 10-80-10 of the team, right? Because right? Gonzo said, right, you have your elite 10 that are in the weight room that handle business across all spectrums of their life. You have the middle 80, and then you have the bottom 10, right? We call that the low giving factor disinterested group, right? Yeah, you got to spend some time on those guys, but during this time, how do I get that bottom 80 to rise up and be in that top middle 80? And how do I get that middle 80 into my top 10 like everybody else through power of the unit, accountability, et cetera, et cetera. So that's really, to me, where Ohio State has an opportunity to advance themselves even more than before, regardless of talent, because of the culture that Ryan Day has built here after Urban Meyer of what this team is all about. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, you know, the one thing that I will say, it's interesting. My experience was always the 10 at the top we're really helping pull the 80 mm -hmm. and, and, you know, it, it, cause I was an 80 right at one point and you look at the 10 and you go, okay, I got to do it this way. I got to do it just like this person and I got to be here and I got it. Right. Um, and uh, when you don't have that example daily, um, it, it, it presents a unique challenge, but I also love what you said about, you know, coach mix already got kits out and they're already doing all these things because it reminded me of something that I, I miss about football and I miss about the locker room. 
which is I promise you those coaches and those players know that after this is all over, there's not a single fan anywhere who's going to cut them a break if they come up with a 0-3, right? Like, you, there, this is a no-excuses business and a no-excuses environment. Um, and I, I absolutely love that about uh, athletics. Um, and so I'm, I'm excited for the season whenever the heck it begins. And I'm curious, just, Gonzo, who was, the, who was the 10% that pulled you up? Who was the guy uh, for you? Um, and I'm not just saying this because he's on here, but uh, guys like Schlegs. Um, well, he was 30 when he got to school, so – yeah, I know. A I mean, he, you know, he already like had kids and stuff. So uh, he was married and all, all kinds of good stuff. But, uh, but no, you know, we had great, we had great people. So um, I'll give you a couple names that uh, from a, just sort of how to do your business standpoint um, really helped me a lot. Uh, the linebackers. So Bobby, AJ and Schlegel, um, those three guys uh, were always leading the team and, and really pushing everybody forward. Uh, Michael Jenkins was there my freshman year, um, and I was, I was a receiver kind of looking up to him. Um, and he just was very methodical about how he, he plotted his way along. Um, and then, you know, beyond that, uh, I'm trying to think who else. Those are, those are probably the ones that I would say I really look to the most. Like just because I knew I had the athletic ability to succeed, but I didn't know how to work. And I didn't, I didn't know how to, how to behave necessarily and how to set goals and, and go do that sort of thing at that level. We could do it at high school, but not at that level. And so um, to see guys uh, like Schlegs, Bobby, and AJ in at 6 a.m. every single morning, I think Schlegs, you came in for 6 a.m. once straight out of a duck hunt. I mean, yeah. you, were smell, you were smelling like uh, like deer urine or something. I was like, Probably. Where yeah. are you coming from? Like, I, just I got have it. no clue. I <laughs> have no clue. But, you know, it, it, you know, Berm, this is another example of – but also – Anthony's ability, Gonzo's ability to look at chasing angles, right? Like the, all sports to me are about pace, space, and angles. And if you want to be a leader, whatever it is that you do, you always got to go be chasing angles, right? Looking for the new opportunity, looking at ways to grow. And you individually have to go search out those angles or search out people to look up to, right? And see how they do it. And then incorporate it because then in Gonzo's, own thing right you got a hyperbaric chamber right like he's always investigating and searching for the newest latest greatest thing that can allow him to be at an elite level well that's something that not everybody else possesses right it's something that you intrinsically have to have to want to go explore and chase those angel angles conquer your own fear of failure right and say hey if i go do this what are people going to think of me i got my own chamber who cares what they think about you it's the man in the glass that matters Right. So, but that, but that is Gonzo, right? Like that, that's, that's how you can't really, again, going back to the very first question, what do we view people where they're going to be when they're 30 or 40 or 50? We don't know, but we just know the intrinsic characteristics of that individual. And this is the type of guy that's always searching for it. It's why he's forward thinking about not just the present situation, but the solution moving down the road, right in five six months to a year of how we're going to come out of this country better yeah he's got another call he's got to uh, join in a second so the last right, get couple him. Get him. last question that we get for gonzo schlegs and berm are going to stick with me through this but we got to let him go so gonzo uh is if there's football this year i think at some point there will be maybe it'll be next spring but whatever if justin fields has one more year at ohio state can he be the guy to break that drought that goes back to troy and get a heisman trophy 
You know, I think so. Um, he, uh, he showed a, a lot of heart for sure um, and answered a lot of questions. You know, it's, it's interesting, a guy transferring um, from Georgia and, uh, you know, where I can only imagine what that, that feels like to, to come in under those circumstances. Um, but he really took ownership of the offense. He really took ownership of the team. Uh, and overcame a lot of adversity. I mean, the knee, the injuries that he had were were serious injuries, and and to come out and play like he did in that uh, in that semifinal game, um, and to to be just one throw away, um, which I know we're, it still breaks our hearts. Uh, it still makes you know, it really does. But um, but uh, but I think he he had a, a fantastic uh, welcoming to Ohio State, and I know um, that the coaches are going to have him ready, and I think the schedule sets up well. So I'm excited for him. I mean, he's going to have a lot of growth. Last year was his first year as a starter. You really – Tony Dungy always said this. It's, it's between years one and two in the NFL, but I think in college it's between your first year as a starter and your second that you really have the biggest growth and you kind of know what kind of – what player you're getting. Um, and so I, I'm, I'm excited for him and the team and, and Coach Day and um, all of Buckeye Nation. I know we can't wait for it. So hopefully we get it sooner rather than later. All right, Congressman, we will let you get back to the more important work Hopefully we gave you a little bit of a break to think about football a little bit. Yeah. Thanks guys. All right. Thanks, thanks, bro. Bye. Uh, Schlegs, I'll, I'll throw it uh, then to you. You know, I, I posed this question to you. I said, we're going to talk about Justin Fields and where, where your money's going to be at for the Heisman race. Like that's a pretty good tee up there from Gonzo, the leap from year one to year two. And he's already been a finalist and he, he's, you know, should be healthy and all that stuff. It's hard to bet against him. I think in my mind right now as the Heisman favorite. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, you have Trevor Lawrence coming back. Obviously, it's one and two, right? Like, however you want to pick them. But I think with losing J.K. will actually put more on his shoulders, right? So, you had that balanced running attack with, I mean, a 2,000-yard rusher, and then you had Master Teague. And the questions that are, you know, surrounding our running back room, obviously, we're, we've gotten a transfer, and we, we're, we have a great recruiting class coming in in another year. But just the present situation – with those wide receivers and our offensive line, right, and him coming back after his first year starting, I think he probably will have the most upside because, one, he already knows the offense. So this, it's not like he's coming in right away learning this remotely, right? He already has it. He has weapons that are coming in. Yes, the timing has to be there, but I 100% believe it's going to be more on his shoulders, which in a Heisman race – that's what everybody looks at. What is that guy doing, right? Joe Burrows, he did everything at LSU, which is why he was, a, he was the Heisman favorite for most of the year. Now, losing J.K., Justin will have to be the guy that kind of orchestrates and runs everything, will just, which will just enhance his Heisman value. Yeah, but that's only half of it. The other half is that Trevor Lawrence – gets Travis Etienne back at Clemson, which right. splits that kind of vote, I guess, down the road, because obviously uh, Travis Etienne is expected to be a big part of their offense. And so what you're saying just makes more sense because mm-hmm. when you're looking at what Joe Burrow did a year ago, it's, the offense was everything through Joe Burrow. So, um, I mean, he, he there's no doubt Justin Fields should be the favorite for the Heisman if and when the season takes place. And plus, you also think about just even at Ohio State, we had Chase Young, right? So there's there's less well, guys. And J.K. Dobbins, who finished sixth. I mean, right. yeah, exactly. So so you had two guys in the race with you that are now gone. Great point, Berm. All 
All right, continuing on here on Letterman Live, brought to you by Roosters now, just me, Berm, and Schlegs. Uh, a little bit more like a standard Monday for us here. It, you look at this. So I was going to ask Gonzo about this, and he had so much other good stuff he was getting into. But, like, Justin Fields is posting some workout videos. He's able to throw a little bit. And we're always talking about what these guys can and can't do right now. Like, it, it's, it's interesting to me to think about the timing um, the throwing with those receivers that, that Justin Fields missed in the spring, and we don't know when or if they could make up that time in the summer. All of that is uncertain depending on the virus and the pandemic and when it clears up. But you had those four freshman wide receivers. You wanted to keep throwing to Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. Like, that, that stuff is gone. And I wonder, like, just you – know, you, you'll have a good feel for going through an offseason schlegs. Like, these offseason throwing programs became such a big deal, voluntary workouts and guys always going above and beyond. Like, that stuff you really can't – make up because they're not all in Columbus. Like, you know, if Olave runs a route, he can do that. He can be working on his route running, but it's not going to be the same if Justin Fields isn't getting that timing down with him. And I, you know, some of that might lead to, you know, sloppiness later on, but it, I, I imagine that's got to be in the Brian Hartline's mind. Like it can't be the same. The work won't be the same. Well, here's the deal. Be elite. Always remember this. Be elite at the fundamentals. Right, Because if you're elite at the fundamentals and when you get back to live play, it's a lot faster to get that timing. But if you're not elite and going back to the fundamentals, when you get there, now i got to go back and correct your fundamentals, mm -hmm. which slows down the process of the timing and the route running in the offense, right? So if you go back and Justin Fields just works on his drops, works on his mechanics, works on his accuracy, along with the football acumen – that he is doing probably right now with Corey Dennis and, and Ryan Day, right, of the offense, and what Brian Hartline is doing with his wide receiver group, and probably eventually there will be Zoom meetings where they're all in the room together looking at routes, looking at defenses. How do, I mean, this goes back to Kenny Guyton going into a game, having only done, and I watched it, mental reps. The dude never took a snap at practice and went in and won a football game. <laughs> so to think that just because you're not getting it during practice and live bullets and the timing is necessary, there is so much that can be done from the mental side. And then you have to control what it is that you can control, right? That's, that's your that's, workouts. That's the fundamentals. That's your, you know, your footwork and your, and, and how you release the football. That's what he can control right now. Outside of individual discipline slags, like what you're doing right now when no one's watching, when everyone gets back together, is coaching or talent going to be more important? <laughs> yeah, great question. I'm going to say this. It will be – well, you got to have talent, right? <laughs> there you go. So, yeah, you know – All I, things being equal, talent's going to win, right? Well, you, you – you, one, talent is all business anyways. Right? Like, you got to go out and hire talented people. If not, you're going to be average. Like, but the, the sense of coaching that comes in is also knowing what your guys are capable of and where to start from. Right? That's part of coaching. And it's also, how am I getting my guys invested and educated and doing what they need to do now so that when I come back, I can rely upon their talent? Right? So it's like, is it the chicken or the egg? Well, right now it's all about the coach, accountability, power of the unit, and culture. That goes back to coaching, yeah. okay? 
come camp or whenever that is and being able there to go out and execute will then be predicated upon their ability to take the mental coaching and then use their talent on the field to devote, to have a team, right. And to have yep. an offense. So it's kind of, and that, that's where you can't have one without the other, right? Basically you can't have them. they have to go hand in hand. 100%. Absolutely. And that's why I, that's why, I mean, Urban said this all the time, like they are trying to out-recruit people. They're trying to out-recruit Anthony Schlegel or A.J. Hawk or Bob. Like you have to constantly moving forward and looking who's the next best because if not, then you have no depth, right? And you have nobody pushing your guys. So you always want that competitive excellence, which is what Ohio State always talks about. But in that competitive excellence, it is the, ta- it is the players that are that – are working diligently to then be able to go out there and allow their talent to come out because if they don't do anything right now and you have somebody that's above average talent that is working, they will be ahead of that person. Yeah. This so is- it's a combination of all of them. It's hard work. It's talent. It's coachability that all comes together. I could yeah. have a, I could have a hundred five stars and they're selfish assholes. Guess what? You're going to have a crappy team. I know that for a fact. I, I think that that's, that's probably the perfect way to sum it up because there's no coach in the world that's going to look at the less talented roster and say that's the one that they want to coach. But if it's, only that, if it's that easy, uh, you'd never have any upsets. You'd never have any uh, seasons go wrong for these teams that recruit in the top ten basis every year. And we, we know like, it, it keeps coming up because of this, the talent gap, the, the gap between – uh, the rivals in Ohio State and Michigan, like it's not like Michigan out of the last 17 years has been completely overwhelmed. They, they've got a bunch of guys still going to the NFL. Like that's not an untalented team. I don't, I don't really understand that part of the argument, but Ohio State has been more talented and they've also had a more stable culture. Uh, all those things that you're talking about, Schlegs, all that's been in place with people, you know, buying in and developing and they've taken that to a much higher level, but it's not, Michigan has enough talent to beat people. I don't – Well, you see what they do against less talented teams than them. Right. They beat the doors off them. They beat the brakes off them all the time. Wow. Uh, and then, you know, as, as the, I guess the, the debate here is, like, when there's like talent, when there's comparable talent, coaching separates you at that point. But when, when one school has a better culture and a better, you know, coaching – better coaches and better talent, then it it looks that much wider of a gap on the field than just the talent for talent. Yeah, and here's the other thing. I I know I spoke to you guys about this before, but if you look at at the standard of excellence of Ohio State football strength conditioning, it's accountability, it's attitude, it's competition, it's effort, it's toughness. None of those things are talent, right? Like you can control every single one of those things. And then you take that with talented people – who are culture coachable now yet and our culture, you have a great team. Like right. that's what separates. Right. And all those things are things that you can train and you can control. So they all go hand in hand. It's a two way street. But at the end of the day, the thing I think that separates Ohio state is toughness and coachability period. Cause if you're not coachable GTFO. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, again, Schlage's just hitting it right to the point. We don't even need to say any more. Uh, we'll wrap it up there. It's been another fun Monday with these guys. Really appreciate uh, Anthony Gonzalez 
joining us this time, trying to continue to spice up uh, Letterman Live, brought to you by Roosters the best we can while we can't. Um, GTFO stands for grab the French onion. Yes, exactly. Right. Okay. That's right. On your way out of the door. Soup's, soup's on. Yeah, soup's yeah. on. You have to take it to go. That's what French that, onion you have to soup out the door. Out. Go to Panera, carry out the door. It's all still open. Uh, Roosters doesn't have French onion soup, unfortunately. Maybe they'll add that. Listen, let's see. <laughs> GMB, get your mac and cheese bites. There we go. Now we've got a new slogan perfectly updated for this show. No I'm Anthony Schlegel. Uh, Anthony Gonzalez joining us today, and I am Austin Ward. This has been Letterman Live, brought to you by Roosters. We'll be right back here next Monday. Hope to see you then. Bye-bye.